Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for February 3rd. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF 2-1, on Instagram at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore, TikTok at ETOF 2-1 Sports, and on YouTube and Twitch at ETOF 2-1 Sports. There you can watch the best gambling show in the planet, Interactive the ETOF 21 Sports Show. This week, excited to announce that Dave Weaver from FanDuel is going to be this week's guest. We'll be going through all our bets, answering any questions you have, so make sure to set that out. In terms of the show today, it's going to be a phenomenal show. NASCAR is back, and Brandon at BostonBoy83 on Instagram and Twitter is stopping by. Him and I are going to talk about the upcoming NASCAR season. We're going to give out our bets for the clash. Also, Brandon's going to talk about the rule changes and look into what he expects from the season. He's going to give out a couple futures, a couple bets to be made. And Nick at NAA Fantasy on Twitter, he's going to come on. We're going to tell you what players in fantasy football we're going to be targeting for next year, but also fading. We each have three for each. Really looking forward to that. It's always good to get ahead of the curve. That's what Nick and I are going to be doing during the off season. Obviously, next week he'll be on and we'll be telling you for the big game what to play in a DFS lineup. And then in the off season, we're just going to be going through, looking at teams, looking at positions, looking at who's got drafted, good fits and everything. We're going to be doing stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to that. He's going to, like I said, he's going to be coming on. We're going to be doing our fades and targets for next season. But before we get into all that, I need to talk about the crazy world going on in sports. And the big thing going on right now in the NBA is Kyrie Irving told the Nets today, it's Friday, that he wants to be traded. This is because obviously they couldn't agree on an extension Obviously, the two teams that come to mind are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks. I'm going to be honest. I don't trust Kyrie. I think Kyrie is one of the most overrated players in the game. And he's getting a lot of legwork for that three-pointer hit in the NBA Finals that won it for the Cavs. You look after that three-pointer, literally, what has that guy done? He went into the Celtics. He was god-awful at the Celtics. Couldn't get him over the hump. And then he's been in Brooklyn, and he's not been reliable at all. I'll be honest, and people are going to criticize for me of this, I will take Garland over Kyrie Irving. I absolutely love Garland. Irving just hasn't shown me he's reliable enough. And now, let's say you go to Dallas, you're going to think that Luka and Kyrie, both with huge defensive liabilities, are going to be the two that lead you to a championship? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And then on top of that, do you think that him going to Los Angeles is going to do anything? It's kind of crazy. Everyone has this narrative that Kyrie is going to bring a ship, but literally, what has he done without LeBron? Nothing. He literally has done nothing without LeBron. I don't think he's that reliable. Look, he had KD. Literally, him and KD should be doing stuff. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Harden, KD, Durant, 
Brooklyn. How many playoff series did they win? One. They got swept last year by the Celtics. And when you think about it, Harden didn't even last more than two seasons. Harden was out. Everyone was talking about how good that team was going to be. That team wasn't going to didn't do anything. I would not want Kyrie Irving on my team at all. One of the biggest, biggest, biggest bluffs in the league, if you ask me. Also going on NFL news, we got DeMarco Ryan's going to the Texans. Did he have a good defense? Yeah, he had a good defense, but he had studs. I really don't know in terms of coaching and everything what this guy brings to the table. Because when you look at the talent that the 49ers had, they had some of the top-tier talent in the league. Was his unit elite? Oh, hell yes, his unit was elite. But when you have that much talent level, it's hard not for it to be. It's kind of like what the Eagles have right now. The Eagles are absolutely stacked. How good of a coach is Sirianni? I don't know. How good of a coach is Ryan? I don't know. Ryan's, excuse me. I like to see what would have happened if Bosa got hurt, someone like that, one of their stars got hurt. I know Warner speaks very highly of him. Warner, best linebacker in the game. He speaks really highly of Ryan's. So I really don't know what he's going to bring. Six-year contract means he's going to be around for a while. Enough to put his blueprint on the team. Obviously, the Texans a million holes. Really don't know what to expect from him. Need a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of help at multiple positions. So I'm not really sure. Outlook for next year. Boy, it would have been nice if they had the first pick. But... They don't have the first pick because their management is such a shit show. I know people are blaming Lovey Smith and everything. So let me get this straight. Lovey is told this is his last game. He doesn't want to go out a winner. Come on. What should have happened is management should have said, look, Lovey, you're coaching this game. We don't want A, B, and C to play. They're not going to play. If you cannot do that, then you are fired before the end of the season. That should have been the agreement. They shouldn't have told him that. There's got to be leadership in the front office for that to work. And at the end of the day, even if Ryan's is a good coach, and I don't honestly don't know if he is, with the management, the leadership in place, the Texans are always going to be behind the eight ball, which freaking sucks because Houston Texans did have Watson and Hopkins. And I'd love to see them get back to that age of football in their short-lived history of the organization, but I really don't know they're, if they're going to be able to. And then the big news, Sean Payton going to the... Denver Broncos, I'll be honest, I think this is, this really does nothing for me. Everyone is excited now, rightfully show way better than what they did have last year in Nathaniel Hackett. But let's be honest, I've said it numerous times. If you listen to me on BTV, listen to me on here, listen to me on what I want on the That's What G Said podcast with Gino, I always said the Saints for three years had the best team in the NFL and didn't win anything. Payne was absolutely obsessed with Taysom Hill got too cute for his own well-being, and it cost the Saints multiple games. Is he that good of a coach? Is he an upgrade? Yeah, he's an upgrade, but I don't think he's the elite of the elite coach, and I think he's a little bit overrated. And you're going into a conference where you're going to have to play Herbert and Mahomes twice a piece, so that's four games against those guys. I don't know if that would have been my top top destination just because of the fact I don't want to have to play those guys multiple times in the season. Winning in the NFL is hard, and when you have that, 
on top of it, playing against two of the top five quarterbacks in the league, it is even harder. Doesn't really make sense. Have to have some sort of agreement that if Wilson does struggle, they're going to move on because the Broncos can get out of his contract. They do have some first-round picks moving forward that more than people realize, but this team definitely needs a revamp. Hopefully Payton can give it to him, but when you look at the roster, I mean, Jesus. Javante Williams hurt. Sutton, Judy, and Judy kind of connected with Wilson a little bit. Wilson hasn't really looked right. Maybe Payton can get him going. But again, I really just don't know. I'm just not that high. And again, it goes back to the same thing. Why are you going to a division where you're going to have to play Mahomes and Herbert twice? Really doesn't make sense to me. I think the best hire so far in the NFL season has been Vic Vangio. Vic Vangio is going to bring an elite level defense to the Miami Dolphins. I said here last week that if I was in charge of Buffalo, that's who I'd be calling right now because with the level, with what they have on the defensive side of the ball, bringing Vangio there is great. And the Vangio system, it needs a shutdown corner and it needs someone that can get to the quarterback. The Dolphins have both. They have a player that can get to the quarterback and they have Xavier Howard, who even though he's getting up there in age, you can still put him on the opponent's top wide receiver. So I absolutely love that hire. And I think that's been the absolute best hire this offseason. It's shaping up to be a crazy offseason. All the moving parts with the quarterbacks and everything. Always be giving my two cents. And then the big announcement. Uncle Rico himself is going to the draft, people. I am going to be at the NFL draft day one and day two. If you see me out there, come over, say hi. I'll buy you a cerveza, an adult beverage. Really looking forward to it. Never been to the draft before. Now, let's jump right into the podcast. Like I said, we have a phenomenal flipping podcast for you today. Brandon's going to be talking NASCAR. Nick's going to be talking fantasy football outlook for next season, who he's targeting, who is he's fading. Let's jump right into it. Let's talk a little NASCAR. Hard to believe, but we finally have made it here. NASCAR is back. It's starting this week at the Clash. And just like he's been the last couple of years, Brandon at BostonBoy83 on Twitter and Instagram is here to talk some NASCAR. How are you doing today, my man? Doing good, man. It feels like the offseason was short and we were just doing this a couple weeks ago for the championship. Season has flown by and there's been a lot of moving parts. Some drivers have switched cars. We don't really know what's going on with Kurt Busch. There's been some rule changes. There's been some car changes. What has changed in the next-gen car from this year as it composed to last year? There's a lot more safety stuff with the rear end, different clips on it, because that's where they started to have all these problems of people backing it into the wall and then the injury. And we can touch on the Kurt Busch thing, but a guy that backed his car into the wall and to this day is still not cleared. It wasn't a drastic like flip. It wasn't anything. It was just a hard hit. So I think they found a way to soften the blows. And uh, they're still doing testing with different fans and stuff to cool the inside of the car, but they're struggling with that. Um, the biggest thing is really some rule changes. Like the choose cone is not going to be at super speedway or at the dirt to where you can choose inside or outside. The restart zone was expanded by an additional 50%. Um, you don't have to be in the top 20 in points or top 30 in points to be able to win a race and qualify for the playoff. It can be any driver, which gets real interesting with the Daytona 500. Um, yeah, so that's really it when it comes to like major changes, uh, playoff format, still the same way it's always been. 
and uh, should be interesting. One full year under all these guys' belts with this new car. Now, we really still don't know what's going on with Kurt Busch, do we? No, it was weird. At the NASCAR Hall of Fame ceremony uh, two Fridays ago that I was at, he was actually on stage, and the comment was – the question that was given to him was, hey, 23, the 23 team is – issuing a third car that Travis Pastrana is going to try and qualify in for the Daytona 500. How does it feel to have a car open to you if you want to return? And his exact words are like, I'm so thankful that they're going to do that. But to this day, I am still not qualified. I'm still not cleared. So that's concerning to me that again, just what we said a few minutes ago, you back a car into the wall, you don't finish the season here. We are months after the season and he's still saying he's not medically cleared. Is this a concussion? Is this some sort of like neck injury, back injury, or just do we just don't know? I'm assuming it's got to be something with the brain, not necessarily his head in general. So a concussion. If it messed up his concussion. Like it has to be something to that extent for it to be this bad. My boy, Uncle Kev, hanging it up. What are your thoughts on him hanging it up this year? My first question, did you shed a tear at all? I did. I was like, oh. I was like, right. oh, yeah. for, for those of you that are following this for a couple of years, this will be the last year that he can say old man when he makes his bet. So uh, hats off to Kevin. He's not doing what Jimmy did and trying to bounce around to different sports and then come back. His son's getting older. He wants to see his son race. He's been doing a lot of go-kart racing. So I think unlike the Brady style where you just keep going and it starts interrupting family issues that uh, him getting out now, he hasn't been as successful. I could absolutely see him doing what he can like he did last year to win a race, get in the playoff, try and have a good farewell attempt at the championship. But uh, never been a huge fan of the guy, but very proud of the way he's going out. Now, you mentioned rule changes, obviously, and I may say this wrong, the Hail Melon rule. That's in effect. Why don't you break that down by everybody? Anybody that watched the end of last year, Ross Chastain basically slingshot it into a corner, didn't use a break, rode the wall, and got into the playoffs or into the final championship round. That's a safety issue. So even though the car, it's funny, Trackhouse released uh, about a week ago that 90% of the parts on that car were still reusable. So it kind of defeats NASCAR's rule of safety, but it truly is. You can't hail melon it into a wall at 100 miles an hour and not get injured. So no more hail melons. Guys in 20th with a lot to go, he is not going to qualify for it. But the fact that it went into the rule book as no hail melon and it's the melon man, that's pretty cool to have your own rule. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, looking at the drivers for this year, is there a driver that you feel is poised to have a breakout type season? Blaney. Blaney had such, such a successful season last year, but struggled trying to get the win and it just, it killed him for the playoffs. So I see him carrying the momentum of a consistent season into a victory or a couple this year and going deep into the playoffs. So if I had to just pick somebody right out the gate to win this year's championship, it's definitely Ryan Blaney at 10 to 1. Okay. Now, is there a driver you think is going to take a step back? And if so, why? Kyle Busch. He's he's getting to that age kind of like Harvick. Not the same age, but close. And just kind of been downhill recently. And now he's swapping teams. 
whole new facility, whole new crew, whole new sponsors, like everything's so different. I think I wouldn't be surprised if you see him come out of the gate well, but if I had to fade somebody throughout the whole season, my fade would absolutely be Kyle Busch. It's no. hard to say because you're talking about a man that's very successful on the track, but I just, I feel like this is one of those last hurrahs that he's trying to do. And I don't think it's going to pan out like he expects it to. Now, obviously, the clash is this weekend. So we're going to have clash, winged off, then Daytona. We hit Logano last year to win the clash, kicked off the new year great. You finished the season and one of the best NASCAR runs I've ever seen in my life, winning four of the last five races. Interesting one here because there's no real track that plays like this. It is a short track. And when we look at it last year, there's only three guys that led laps, Reddick, Logano, and I believe Bush. So, I mean, I have my strategy betting this, but you're the guy that is the professional iRacer. I'm just a smart ass from Chicago. The best. So I'm, I'm interested to see where you're going here. I, I, I don't want to, I'll save some names that I like, but I'm not going to make my bets until after qualifying because this track to your point, people want to compare it to Martinsville. It's not, it's a bull ring and it's bumper cars. So if you qualify bad and you're starting in 20th, there, it's impossible to make your way to the front. You'd have to wreck 19 cars in front of you to even get there. So I my strategy is going to be wait till qualifying, I think, tomorrow, and grab anybody that's within the top 10. And even 10, I feel like I'm pushing it. So your top five is going to be – because how do you pass? You don't yeah. pass back unless you put a bumper to them. And if you're starting way out back, unless something drastic happens, like there's no pitch strategy here. There's no take two tires, not four. They run 75 laps. They call a timeout, do a concert, then do another 75 laps. So I think whoever's starting towards the front is who who you're going to want to lean on. I think my point with Blaney, though, I could see this being a Blaney race and watching the same kind of story of last season pan out to where the winner of the clash absolutely makes it all the way to the championship final four because you're just going to carry that momentum in the new car clean suit, like look good, feel good, play good. Like you're going to carry that momentum right into the season, no matter what happens at Daytona. So I have three bets for this and this is how I'm doing it. I have three bets. Bet number one, I'm going with Logano won there last year. I know he's a favorite plus seven fifty, based on his short track history and what he's done last year at this track and last year winning the title. I feel seven fifty is good odds. I'm going to throw one unit on Logano plus seven fifty. All right, what's your next one? Bet number two, I'm going with Reddick, 14 to one. I feel he's getting an upgrade in cars, led the most amount of laps last year, has a good history on the short track. I'm throwing half a unit on Haley, no, excuse me, on Reddick, 14 to one. I'm going to back you with that. I like that. I didn't realize his odds were at that point. Um, I told you I don't have the odds on my computer right now. What do you have AJ Allmendinger at? Mr. Almondigger, I'm pulling that up right now. He is currently 75 to 1. I like that. If he qualifies towards the front in the top 10, I'd grab AJ. Again, Cup Series, 
full-time college racing like they're going to be looking to make a statement like track house did last year so there's a team that you need to watch out for i like them and as bad as the cars have been through petty or gms now that jimmy johnson is heading that and the names changed to legacy motor group or motor club i know i'm kind of spinning off the topic here but Noah Gregson is a guy I'd watch out for this year as well, solely because the guy that he reports to is Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion. Like Jimmy's not going to take any of his shit. No, he's not going to take it. He's going to put him in his place. He's going to make the kid mature way more than he was last year. He ran Xfinity year after year, very successful. I absolutely see Noah being an impact for rookie of the year over Ty Gibbs, which let that shock everybody because everybody going into this is going to say, Joe Gibbs' grandson best equipment mark my word he's going to run into a couple of these veterans and put a bad taste in their mouth where they're not going to take it from this punk kid that's been spoon-fed his entire life and make it a living nightmare for him to win races yeah so if I pick a rookie of the year out of those two i'm jumping on noah all day because greg or uh gibbs is going to have a foot up his ass within a couple weeks of the season starting i like that i like that a lot my last that's one eight. i I accidentally gave it out when I was talking. I'm I'm throwing a little on Justin Haley. Quarter unit on Justin Haley, 40 to 1. He was right up toward the front last year. Of course, Kyle Larson took him out. He was in a good position. I think he's going to be in line to qualify well. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a unit on, on Logano plus 750. Half a unit on Reddick, 14 to 1. And a quarter unit on Haley, 40 to 1. That's what I'm risking going into this bad boy. And I like the dinger. I'll throw a quarter unit on the dinger too. Yeah, because I think the dinger, especially for the championship guys out there looking for championship bets early, dinger is going to win a road course race and put himself into the playoff pretty early. So I would grab dinger right now, I believe, 100 to 1. 100 to 1, correct. One. I would grab dinger for your high long shot odd to win the championship because if he gets in, I don't know what it is about my feeling going into this year, but watching all the drama – and the fighting and the intentional wrecks between Bubba and Larson and Chastain and Hamlin, Chastain and Chase, Chase and Harvick. I think you're going to see tempers flaring right out the gate, including as early as this Sunday. I think you're going to have a lot of guys going into this season saying, I'm not taking it from anybody. I'm yeah. done pushed around. So be ready for if there's a bet once a week on will there be a fight, drop a bet on that every single week. And it every, will single week. Yeah. every single week. Every single week. So. Well, I'm really looking forward to this NASCAR season, talking it with you. Brandon, make sure you guys give Brandon a follow at It's Boston Boy 83. We're going to be taking next week off, but he'll be back here the following week in two weeks to break down the Daytona 500. Make sure to give him a follow. We'll talk in two weeks, my friend. Start casting them tickets early. Please give my boy Brandon a follow. Knows his stuff. iRacer. Give him a follow on Twitch at BostonBoy83. You can watch his races on Twitter and on Instagram. Like I said, insane, insane close the season last year. Just cashing ticket after ticket after ticket. Now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking about fantasy football. Obviously, this is an off week in the NFL. With it being an off week, Nick and I decided we're going to look at players we're going to look to target next year and players we're going to look to fade plus also which player being drafted in this year's draft class that we're excited about and going to look 
two draft. But without that, let me welcome Nick to the show. Nick, how you doing, my man? Great. How are you doing, Eric? Doing good, doing good, doing good, my friend. Now, let's look at this. Obviously, I like to do this exercise right immediately after the season, just because everything's fresh in our mind. Right. How we're going to do this, we're each going to tell some people that we're going to fade and look to target. Obviously, we'll start with the fades first. Who's the first player that you're looking to fade? So, especially a person I'd like to fade in the probably it's going to get drafted in the first round next year is Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, few few reasons why. I mean, I feel like he really hit his ceiling this year. He had 119 catches, seven over 1700 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, I feel like there's going to be some concerns uh, in Miami on their offense with uh, quarterbacks um, and who's throwing him the ball next year. And I just think. I don't think he can top that that line again. Um, the last last time that his highest numbers were fourteen hundred and seventy nine yards, he obviously overdid that this time. But that was fourteen hundred seventy nine yards was about five years ago, four or five seasons ago. So the next season he regressed, and I think that's going to happen again. I don't think he can top those numbers. I think the million dollar thing going on in Miami is we don't know what's going on with the in the quarterback. Right. Exactly. And you have to think of it like this. Tua couldn't even participate in the flag football game because of his concussion. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. So obviously that's a big elephant in the room. We don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Makes a ton of sense. Tyreek Hill looking to fade next year. My first fade is, and this is going to shock a lot of people because I'm sure people are thinking, oh, Kellen Moore is coming to Los Angeles Chargers, let me go get Austin Eckler with the success Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott have. I'm looking to fade Austin Eckler just because I think he's at a ceiling right now. And by drafting him so high next year, we're drafting this year's player. So we're a year behind. We want to be a year ahead of the curve. And that's why I'm going to be fading Eckler because he scored 370 points. I think he's due for some regression. And one thing the Kellen Moore offense has showed us a lot of dual threat. I think it's yeah. going to go down where it's going to be like a 55, 45% share. Have that be with the kid Spiller they drafted or Joshua Kelly. I'm not sure who's that other backs going to eventually be, but I think it's going to be more of a split backfield. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near that production we've gotten this year. I think Eckler is going to take a big step back because of that. I'm fading Austin Eckler next year. Yeah, I, I agree with that too, because Eckler, you know, it's kind of like the same scenario with Jonathan Taylor that we had this year. Everybody's like, he's a lock number one because of his, his season the year before. Well, yeah. <laughs> that bit everybody, including me. So I, I totally agree with that Eckler call. Who is your next fade? So, you know, going along with the Miami offense and the concerns, my next fade is Tua. Uh, he's the concussion, the concussion thing is a really big concern for me. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he plays, if he does play next year, they're going to be real cautious with him. If he gets hit again, I mean, I'm just, I'm afraid for him as his career might be over. Um, and also if he is healthy next year, 
when when we watched him play against top tier defenses, he looked like a high school quarterback. I'm sorry, but he I I just can't trust him to put up numbers, and I'm really afraid for his health. So I would I would totally fade to a next year. Yeah, he may he may be out of the league next year. There's I know I retirement. He'll have to retire. Yeah, and this is the way too early uh, picks for us. But I mean, that's my that's my initial feed on that. My next one, I'm going to Jacksonville. I'm taking Travis Etienne. Look, he's not built to be an every down back. He's not a between the tackle runner. He's had 255 touches, and we saw this at Clemson. He in Clemson, he had a year where he had close to this touches. And what happened his first year in Jacksonville, he got hurt and he missed it. With the way he's built body wise, I can honestly see that happening next year. As much as I hate to say it, I never wish injury on anybody else, but I could see it. Obviously, we saw he got tired in the game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Nowhere to be found in the fourth quarter just because of the physical beating. He just got too tired and wasn't out in the field. And now let's look at the defenses this team is going to have to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Titans twice, top five run defense Ravens Bengals also good against the run 49ers I know they're using Ryan's but when you have Armstead Bosa etc etc Browns shockingly I think they're going to be better against the run because I think they're going to solve their defensive line issues Saints were good against the run last year Steelers with Watt were good against the run and the Buffalo Bills that's a real tough schedule for someone who's not built like an everyday every down running back so I'm looking to fade Travis Etienne next year I like who, it. Who is your first fade, my friend? Oh, my final fade is uh, Kyle Pitts. Um, I've I've never really been a fan of Kyle Pitts. I know you have, but I've never really been a fan. Uh, you know, quarterback question marks in Atlanta. We don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Are they going to Are they going to try to ride it out with Ritter, or are they going to make a trade? Uh, not really sure who they're going to get there, and. You know, the injury concerns are starting to pile up for Pitts as well. Um, and I just, uh, for all of the question marks that are there, I, 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 can't, I can't see drafting him over, you know, over anybody else. I absolutely agree. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get. Obviously, one of the reasons I'm looking to fade him, a little bit of a tease, is going to be in one of the players I'm looking to target. Totally agree with you on that. The first player I'm looking to fade, my top fade, excuse me, Jamal Malik Williams of my Detroit Lions. <laughs> we don't even know where he's going to be. He's a free agent. He may not even be back in Detroit next year. But when we just look at him, he finished the season with 17 touchdowns. That was the most in the NFL. Set a Lions record for touchdowns. More than Barry Sanders. He led the NFL <laughs> in red zone touchdowns and carries and – hypothetically, if he does come back to Detroit with how good Detroit did finishing second in the NFC, this means tougher games. If they are tougher games, Detroit could abandon the run. Maybe Swift can stay healthy. That leads to more touches for Swift. Take some away from Jamal Williams. Again, did he have a good season? Yes. But if you draft him high, third round, Fourth round, you're playing a premium on last year, and that's what Nick and I are trying to get you guys to avoid. I'm fading Jamal Williams next year. Yeah, he hit a ceiling again. I mean, 17 rushing touchdowns. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Now let's shift over to guys that we are looking to target. 
Nick, who are you looking to target? Well, on that note, I'm I'm actually going back to the Detroit Lions, but I'm going at the wide receiver route, and I absolutely love Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, you know, he had 106 catches, 1,161 yards, and six touchdowns this year. I think he's going to outdo himself from this year, next year, do even better, um, and become a, a like the focal point of that offense. And I think Jared Goff has gotten a really good rapport with him. Um, obviously they traded off Hawkinson, uh, this year. So, you know, you've got, I, I think they're going to target Amon Ross St. Brown even more now. Um, I, I could easily see him getting, doing a 1400 plus yard season next year. Yeah. He's definitely became the number one shark. Looks like he's out. That's going to open up some targets. Jamison Williams field structure. I absolutely love Amaran St. Brown. He's just one of those guys who just seems to produce week after week after week in the Lions offense. The first one that I'm going to look to target, and it, I know it seems weird. Amari Cooper finished as wide receiver nine. Doesn't that doesn't that kind of strike you as a little bit a little bit under the radar? Yeah, when, with the way the Browns were. Yeah, I agree. That's on the radar for me. If we kind of look at it, the last four games, that's when Watson played. He was only wide receiver 13, so he digressed. But Watson didn't play for so long. It took him two games to get going. If we just yeah. look at the last two games, those last two games of the year, Cooper was wide receiver four. So now – you look back at how good Watson was in RPO, in play action at the Texans. Stefanski is going to get that to carry over now next year with the Browns and leading on Cooper as your number one, as your, as the number one target. I think he's in line for a huge season and I think he's completely undervalued. This is a wide receiver one in leagues and yeah. nobody is talking about it. He finished and I know this player missed time. He finished with more fantasy points than Jamar Chase. You know, if you just say it out loud, oh, wow. So I think he's a little bit undervalued. Nick, who's the next I guy you're looking at? Target? I like J.K. Dobbins. Now, I know there's some question marks around him. Uh, you know, the injury, he was coming back. They eased him back in last year. But if you look at the eight games he played, he, he had a 5.7 yard average. And, you know, he had 520 yards and three touchdowns. I think he's going to, I think they're going to unleash him a little more and try to protect Lamar a little more next year if he stays. Um, and they're going to get... You know, they're going to they're going to have Lamar rush a little less to try and protect him from injury again, because if if they if he comes back, which I think he will, they're going to want him to not be injured every year and be their franchise quarterback. So I think they're going to lean a little more on their running backs. I think Dobbins is a great um, a great guy to get as a, you know, like an RB2, not an RB1 guy, but an RB2 guy Um, and uh you know, I think I think he's a great fit for that, um, unless the Ravens try to uh, go after another running back, which there's possibilities around that. But I, don't know I absolutely love that. I mean, he looked like he was the alpha. He was saying after the game he wants the ball, and he looked fresh. 
I mean, he's missed a lot of football because of injuries. He looked fresh in that wild card game and that got that extra burst of speed. I think getting him there, it's going to be interesting to see who they get the OC, but I absolutely love Dobbins. My next guy, and, you know, I kind of hinted at it before when you're talking about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, he finished 20th this year, believe it or not, in red zone targets in the weeks that Ritter was the starter, he averaged nine targets a game, 5.75 receptions, 83.25 yards, and a solid 13.6 fantasy points per game. When Ritter was the starter, he was wide receiver 18. That's a bona fide wide receiver two on most teams. People really don't, don't understand that when you're a wide receiver 18, that's a number two wide receiver on your team. And this is a guy that's probably going to be going in the sixth or seventh round, just kind of an estimates right now. I absolutely love Drake London. And I think with Ritter maturing, this is going to be a great pickup. Absolutely love that pick too. I, I was really keeping an eye on Drake London late in the season. And I like that report he had with Ritter. Um, we'll see what happens. I like that one. Now, who is your last person you're going to target? So this is my gamble of the year, uh, and it all depends on if he gets reinstated into the NFL, of course, but it's Calvin Ridley. Um, I think that he gets, you know, if he gets into Jacksonville, he gets in training camp and is able to play early on in the season. They have they have weapons on that team that can pass. And as you talked about with um, them playing a lot of top run defenses, there's going to be more opportunities for them to pass. And you know, it's not going to be like in Atlanta where Ridley was the only guy after Jones went out and he was always the guy getting all the attention um, and maybe his he didn't have as good a games. But now, you know, you've got you've got a bunch of you've got a good core of wide receivers in Jacksonville. So I think Ridley has more potential to have bigger games because he's not just going to be that only guy that the defense is going to target. There's a lot of options on their offense. Defense is going to be looking to take away Christian Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with Ridley coming back, that's going to open more stuff up. People are going to forget about him. You got Lawrence, who obviously has a more explosive arm than Matt Ryan did at his time there. He's going to be able to stretch the field a little bit more, bring a little bit more big play stuff. Also, you got Ingram right there, probably the focus, you know, who's there. Marvin Jones is leaving. He can sneak yeah. in. Take Marvin Jones. You got Zay, Zay, um, Zay Jones, Zay Jones yeah. lurking around. So there's a lot of targets right there that already in the offense. I think Ridley coming in is kind of going to be that for- forgotten guy if he can play because of the gambling stuff. But, yeah, I absolutely agree 100%. I love Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to be a little bit under the radar. My top target, and if you listen to my pre-game, pre preseason stuff – I was fading this guy, but I'm back in this year. Deontay Johnson led the Steelers in red zone targets. with, And he was 24th in the league in red zone targets. And he had no TDs. He led the Steelers in targets and receiving yards. Set a record for most scrimmage yards without a TD ever. He is due for absolute positive TD regression. And you just look, this guy's a wide receiver too. If he gets four TDs with the production he did last year, I absolutely love Deontay Johnson if he stays in Pittsburgh. Obviously, there's some rumors they could cut him. That pick yeah. be the guy. But if he stays in Pitt, I absolutely love him. Deontay Johnson is my top target. 
there you have it. Nick and I will be back next week. We're going to be talking about the big game. We're going to be looking at the guys we're going to be targeting. Basically, since it is one game, what we're going to do, the format will be a little different. We're not going to give our, our lineup. We'll just kind of go position by position and tell you which guys we like, which guys we don't like. Nick, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Thank you. And uh, you can find me on at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Thanks, man. Until next week, my friend. That's it for the podcast, guys and girls. Thank you for tuning in. Insanely appreciate the support. Reminder, we'll be back next weekend. David will be back next weekend, off week today, as obviously there is not any football games. He'll be back next week, and then him and I are going to drift off. We're going to start doing some basketball, then transition to baseball stuff on here. Also with XFL, USFL, and CFL right around the corner. XFL Jim's going to be coming back. He's going to be breaking down those games. And Brandon's going to be back. So we're going full circle here. So make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Appreciate the support. Reminder that ETOF21 Sports Show is going to be back live Saturday. Oh, excuse me. Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Dave Weir from FanDuel. Him and I are going to be breaking down the Super Bowl, telling you all the bets to lock in. Best of luck if you tell any bets given out on the podcast today. Let's make some money. One more thing before I sign off. I have a lot of people hitting me up, talking, asking me questions about live betting. This is my two cents on live betting. If you see something you like pre-flop, you take that. If you're invested in a game, don't chase money. That's how you lose money in this game long term. Do not chase money if you are invested pre-flop in a game. If you don't, hypothetically, let's say it's a football game. I like the Lions. If it gets over seven, Lions at five. They get down an early 3-0, line gets up over 7. That's when I'll get reinvested. I like a total under a number. There's a couple quick touchdowns. Excuse me, Jim and I talked about this on the college football tailgate, where if the number was too inflated, we would wait until there was a couple drives where this number would drop down, and then we get invested. It's the same thing. Don't chase. If you don't get invested in the number right away, that's when you do live. But don't double down, double down, double down, double down, double down. That's how you lose the money loss term. Take it from old man Uncle Rico. He's been around the block for a while. Again, thanks for tuning in. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.